Hey there. I offer this podcast freely. Your support really makes a difference. To make a donation, visit ReneeMcKenna.com. Welcome to Spiritual Psychology. My name's Renee LaVallee McKenna, and I bring my 30-plus years as a recovering addict and ex-crazy person turned therapist and shamanic healer to bring you snackable teachings on spirituality, psychology, and all things personal growth. And today I want to talk about hopeless hope. And this is a phenomenon that I have observed within myself and in my clients and students over the years. And I'm a big fan of healthy hope, a sense of trust in the unfolding universe, my own evolution, feelings of expectation or desire for specific outcomes, or at least general positive, constructive direction. And I do actually believe in miracles highly improbable or extraordinary events or developments that are unexpected, unexplainable by natural or scientific laws, extreme serendipity, and over and over again, the course of my life has been changed by these kind of experiences of the miraculous, what I like to call variable X, which is this completely unexpected turn of events, often in the form of a person or relationship, a friend, an advisor, a lover, a teacher, that creates or provides a solution to whatever my circumstance of suffering that I couldn't imagine a way out of. And I've actually kind of come to depend on those things as a phenomenon in the universe. And I think a lot of prayer, spiritual practice, and personal growth work is to open ourselves up to this creative, emergent experience of the universe, of God, of higher wisdom providing opportunities and solutions for us that we could not imagine for ourselves. And so healthy hope is knowing or believing that there are always solutions, even if we can't imagine what they are. And I think the more we are attached to specific outcomes, the more we have ideas about what we need or what's best for us, the narrower that field, the more we edge ourselves into unhealthy hope or even hopeless hope. And hopeless hope is when we have a specific idea of how a person, place, or circumstance should be in order for us to be fulfilled and happy, and that there's no evidence that that's actually going to happen. And hopeless hope is kind of a place of suffering that we can get stuck. And this particularly happens in intimate relationships, not just with lovers or partners, but also with parents or children or siblings or close friends, where we think We know how the other person should be, and sometimes they even agree with us that that's how they should be, but there's never any real traction made to create that change. And I often refer to what's commonly known as the serenity prayer as an instruction manual for healthy or hopeless hope. And the serenity prayer reads, God, or however you refer to source, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And being honest, getting real about what I can change and what I can't change, and that wisdom to know the difference, that's a place of empowerment, the path to fulfillment, and personal growth and evolution. Because generally, we are powerless to change others, but we always have the capacity to change ourselves. In any circumstance, we have three choices because we have free will. We can accept things how they are, we can ask for change, or we can remove ourselves. 
And I know a lot about Hopeless Hope because I have an almost endless, <laughs> or at least a very long list of relationships and circumstances where I suffered from my own hopeless hope. And hopeless hope is rooted in the idea that if this other person will change, then I will be happy. The disempowering perspective that my experience is dependent upon the actions and behaviors of other people. And that's disempowering because though I can be a manipulative motherfucker <laughs> and quite controlling, it's more than one time in my life I have put every ounce of energy I had into trying to change someone else, friends, lovers, my parents. Luckily, I figured this out or at least observed it in its most pathological form before I had children. So I've done my best to not try to put my claws of control onto my kids which I think has worked pretty well. But when I'm putting all my energy into changing others, I'm actually cementing myself in my own dysfunction. And this is really the basis of the wonderful 12-step fellowship, Al-Anon. And there's actually this really interesting paradox that when I stop focusing on the other person and trying to change them and turn my focus onto myself, it actually provides the optimal environment for the other person to change. Because often when I'm trying to change someone else, we become locked in a gridlock of me imposing my will on them and them resisting. And sometimes my imposition of will on the other person is what I perceive as their highest good. I'm trying to protect them from suffering. I have what I believe is their highest good in mind. This was nowhere clearer than in my first marriage to a drug addict who couldn't stay clean who also happened to be a pathological liar. He was one of the greatest teachers of my entire life. Drove me to divorce and bankruptcy court. Many other humbling learning experiences. Because I handpicked him, he wasn't the first guy who wanted to marry me. And although I felt victimized by his womanizing, his drug use, his stealing the rent money and blaming it on someone else, I volunteered to stay there. And I did a podcast on releasing toxic relationships, number 106, if you have any toxic relationships you want to release. But what kept me hooked into that brief but painful first marriage was hopeless hope. He acknowledged he had a problem with lying and would promise me, I won't do it again. He had been in and out of recovery for years. In fact, that was one of the things that he lied about was that he was actually clean and sober when he wasn't and big fat tears that may have even been authentic to some extent often accompanied these intense fights or conversations about needing to be clean and sober, needing to be able to maintain a job, and to tell the truth about all of the above. And he would say, yes, yes, that's what I want too. I know I have problems and I want to work on them. And you're helping me. And I would be all hopeful. Yay! Until the next time I found a bottle of pills discovered he was playing golf instead of working, and a long list of other quite humbling experiences repeating themselves of me being hopeful that he would change and then being disappointed. And although Paul was a poster child for marital dysfunction and being a bad husband, it was very easy to focus on him and tell my very sad, dramatic story when I chose to tell it and get a lot of validation and compassion from others. It wasn't until I took responsibility and looked at my part in what was happening 
became willing to change the things that I can, which is basically myself, my attitudes, my actions, through my own deeper healing work, that I had a different experience with healthy hope. Now, ultimately, he died of drug addiction, and part of my attachment was hoping to save him from himself, and part of my own maturity was to accept that everyone has their own soul's journey, and although we may participate in that deeply, we don't get to control what it is. And there are natural consequences to people's own experience that is their greatest teacher. I do believe in the continuity of the soul, and Paul may have to repeat and repeat his experience until the suffering that he is perpetuating makes him willing to change. And there's nothing quite as motivating for personal change as pain. Now, over time, we can grow out of needing pain as a motivator, but it is a good one. And I no longer try to protect people from their own pain, and I pay a lot of attention to what mine is because it's full of information. Pain is a guardrail. It tells us something's wrong. We're steering in the wrong direction. Change is called for. Joy, peace, fulfillment, those let us know we're on the open road. Now, this doesn't mean that I don't hold hope always for people to change. As long as we're breathing, there's hope. But I have come to hold that hope quite loosely and not rest my life experience upon my hopes for others. Over time, I put more and more of that energy into myself, my own evolution, growth, and progress. And even in my own hope for change within myself, I need a lot of help. But the wisdom to know the difference between what I can change and what I can't change, that actually is wisdom. And wisdom is when knowledge and experience get married and have a baby. And I get to have a new way of understanding things, a fresh perspective, and that free will or power to make one of those three choices, acceptance, change, or withdrawing. And it was eye-opening for me to consider that having unrealistic expectations for others was actually unloving. If we consider the idea that high-level love or unconditional love is to love someone without conditions, exactly as they are right now, that they don't need to change at all, even if they're in suffering or creating suffering for others, that there is a larger evolutionary process happening and I don't need to get my sticky fingers in there. I got to trust God, clean my own house, and leave the results to the universe. And often there is a tremendous loss in my own idealized image of what I think I need or how I think that other person should be. And if I'm in disappointment with another person or a relationship or a circumstance, there's probably some gap or even delusion of my expectations and reality. And if I'm expecting or needing someone to be different than they are, then that is not loving them. And over time, the way that I have come to approach difficulties with others is to get clear about what I need and what I want and to share that with them, to give them that information. And sometimes that even looks like an ultimatum or certainly my own empowered choices that I'm going to make. If you do this, then I'm going to do that. I need this to happen. And if it doesn't happen, I may remove myself. And then the other person gets the choice of what they want to do with that information. And I have the free will to stay, to accept, or to make change. And I can still stay in a loving place. The Al-Anon idea of detaching with love 
for Mind Your Own Business and Get Some Business to Mind. I love that one. Because again, if I'm all up in your business of how you should be, do, think, believe, act, and I'm justifying my own position of why that's right, I'm just entrenching the relationship in dis-ease, in discord. And I'm separating myself from my own innate capacity to create positive, constructive change in my own experience, regardless of what others are doing. And so I encourage you to look into the circumstances and relationships in your life and where are you holding healthy hope and where are you holding hopeless hope. And there's often a grieving process that needs to happen when we come into greater truth or reality about the painful dynamics in our life. But when we can let go of those idealized or delusional attachments of how we think others need to be or how we think the world needs to be and accept things as they are, it actually opens up the capacity to be more loving and accepting, more empowered, growing in wisdom in our own evolutionary process. Thank you so much for listening. I have some free workshops coming up on Insight Timer fabulous app. If you don't have it yet, you should download it. Wednesday, December 28th, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, 5 p.m. UTC. I'm doing higher self-connection. I'm doing a mini retreat on New Year's Day, peace and possibility for 2023. I'm going to do journaling, inner journey work, lots of engaged conversation about releasing 2022 and setting intentions for 2023. And that's at noon Pacific. 3 Eastern, 8 p.m. GMT, and Wednesday, January 4th, I'll be doing a live workshop on healing anxiety, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, 8 p.m. GMT. And if you're in other time zones, you've got to do the math. If you like this podcast, I deeply appreciate five stars on Spotify or a good review on iTunes. Deep gratitude to my supporters on Patreon. Blessings on your path until we meet again. This is Renee LaValle McKenna for Spiritual Psychology.